Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Cervania into the Charlotte end, played near side to Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi into the box. Bernadeschi coming in, cutting close to the middle. Bernadeschi with a shot, saved by Marks. A rebound, a shot, another save by Marks. And a clear away by Adilson Melanda. But that is two very great chances denied by George Marks. Beautiful double save from King George. Comes up top from the strike from Bernadeschi. The minute that Bernadeschi is weaving in on that left foot, you know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to pull the trigger. George Marks with a big parry. Second save is even better, though, from the follow-up. Lindsay with a nice curving ball for Camille Josviak. Josviak in the last third. Josviak with a cross in the area. A shot! They score! It's Ben Bender! His first goal of the season, and Charlotte FC have had the lead! Brilliant from Ben Bender. It's a fantastic finish on the hop. Just connects cleanly with the ball to slot it in to the side netting from Johnson. But yet again, it's the service. Lindsay with a beautifully weighted pass into the path of Josviak. Josviak with one glance and the cutback is exquisite. Into the path of Bender. Bender with the one-time finish. That is a fantastic connecting goal. Far side play to Vargas near the touchline. Vargas trying to cross it in. Looking for Josviak. He scores! Camille Josviak with his first MLS goal! No player this season has deserved the goal more than Camille Josviak. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting for his hard work to be rewarded. We all have. And he deserves it so much. Soccer cliches. 2-0. The most dangerous scoreline in soccer. Well, here you have it. The comeback is fantastic. Kerwin Vargas with the trickery. The delivery is amazing. The run, again, is fantastic. The timing of the run. The slide and the finish. This is not an easy finish for Camille Josviak in any shape or form. He gets the connection to loop it over Sean Johnson. Two goals with fantastic timed runs and fantastic deliveries. Camille Josviak with a goal and an assist and a game to remember for the Polishman. It is crowned corner as we get you not only a recap of Toronto, but a setup for the week ahead. Will Palacic, Jessica Charman here with you. Another draw for Charlotte FC. Two consecutive draws for them. Three consecutive matches with points earned for the crown as they get themselves uh, a point uh, north of the border for the first time in club history. Uh, I think the place to start, Jess, is where Christian Latanzio finished his postgame press conference on Saturday, which was that this was probably a point, and maybe even these two results back-to-back with New York included, uh, these were points that Charlotte FC left on the table a year ago and that this squad has shown the maturity to, to grind out results when they've gone down in these games. And I think both of us echoed those sentiments right after the game, Willie P, because game management was one of the biggest reasons we weren't able to sneak into the playoffs in 2022, just because we either won or we lost. There was not very much in between in terms of our drawing record. These two games, what's been very special has been the fight back. What's been very special is the second half. But I think we would be naive to sweep Mm. under the rug the fact that we are having an issue starting games and the last two games we have created a huge mountain for us to climb up and our second half performances fantastic our fight back brilliant our efforts to be able to overcome adversity 
But what we need to do better now is not create that adversity in the first place. Because if we're able to string together the second half or last 20 against New York Rebels, if we're able to string together the second half and some of the first half, honestly, in terms of chance creation without the finishing against Toronto, then you have 90 minutes of very good soccer. The issue is that we haven't been able to do it collectively over the course of a full game yet. Yeah, it's definitely the issue is that these nice moments have been strung along, basically, like you said, in, in little pickpocket moments in terms of uh, of these games. Uh, the set-piece defense is something that we brought up. And again, I, I do think you have to account for the wind. Uh, that's something you have to be. It's, it's a fair part of it. Uh, you mentioned the boomerang analogy on the broadcast and whatever whatever word or verbiage you want to use in terms of the way the ball did some pretty tricky things when it was down at that uh, right side, as you see it on the field, the uh, end of the field with the 28-mile-an-hour wind gusts and even more in certain parts of the match uh, from Saturday night. The thing is, it also just comes down to positioning, I think, Jess. And I mm-hmm. think, unfortunately, in, in both instances, you had both situations at fault where there was positioning issues. And and I think on the second goal you looked at, you know, the fact that VAR looked at that, didn't necessarily see anything wrong with Michael Bradley's action against Harrison Awful. And yet, for the second consecutive week, was all anybody on the MLS 360 broadcast with Christina Uncle wanted to talk about. And unfortunately, this time we get victimized here, it seems. Yeah, I think, talk about the wind first and foremost, can't underestimate the damage that the wind had in terms of uh, making it very difficult for our defense and goalkeeper uh, in terms of defending corner kicks. You look at it and they actually had the ball in the back of the net three times in that first half. Obviously, one time it was ruled out for a foul on George Marks. When we flipped the field, Nuno Santos almost had an Olympico. Uh, Chris Hager almost had an Olympico. So I think those moments show it's not very common in a game to have three or four attempts that are pretty close to sneaking in, but the wind had a huge impact. That being said, George Marks, as a goalkeeper, knows that he has to do better from there. Despite the wind, you just have to do a little better job of reading the flight of the ball. And defensively, the organization has to be better. I talked about it on the broadcast. If you are concerned about the swirling wind, put someone on your posts. I get it. At this elite level, you trust yourself as a goalkeeper to be able to cover in most situations, the front and the back post. In this conditions where it's flipped upside down and the ball is moving unpredictably, go secure. Put someone on that back post because if you watch that goal, the Olympico, again, Ben Bender kind of gets caught between standing on that back post and marking the man on the back post and gets caught in no man's land. If you had someone on that back post, you expect a player at this level to be able to head the ball clear and prevent it. So I think defensively, tactically, we've got to be a little smarter. The foul, Once you go to the monitor and see it, I'm surprised they don't overrule it for the two hands on the back of Harrison Orville. As Christina Uncle said, it's a foul. The margin in terms of how big of a foul is it, 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 it's quite soft. But you still, once they get sent to the monitor, it does feel like oftentimes when referees are told to go to the monitor, they do overrule their decision. That's why they're seeing it. So for me, it was a bit of stubborn refereeing of a, I didn't see it in the phase of play, so I'm not Mm. gonna overrule my decision. And it's a bit disappointing. But as you mentioned, Will, we got on the good end of a couple of decisions last week in terms of not losing players on the field that probably would have had an impact. So these things seem to even themselves out over the course of the season, but still disappointing nonetheless. Let's talk about and give some flowers to Camille Yozviak. Uh, we did so on the broadcast and, and we'll do so here. Uh, I hope that that my commentary on it wasn't reacted from people in, in a harsh manner. <laughs> But I, I do feel like 
you have to understand the context of what I'm 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 seeing on social media. Uh, Saturday was April Fool's Day, and on one of the social media fan pages or whatever, uh, there was a, a a graphic going around of you know different players getting you know Charlotte FC potential looks and things of that nature because that's what happens in social media on April Fool's Day. But one of them had Camille Yozviak getting sold to some club I'd never heard of, and and, and people are sitting there on there and saying, oh, you know, one can dream, and that, and, and so, like, that's oh. the context I'm looking at and hearing and seeing it, and that's part of the reason why I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, oh, man, I would really want to see Camille Yozviak get a goal because all this guy does is work and hustle, and the fact that I, 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 the unfortunate thing, Jess, I think, is that the DP label on him is, like, the worst thing for him because he's not a DP in the same price point as Enzo Capetti or Carol Svidersky is. He's a DP that could very easily be brought down with TAM-level money if Charlotte FC decided to go out and get another player uh, of a caliber during the summer transfer window, and they've always talked about him in that fashion. But the fact remains is that while the numbers from the assists and goal standpoint probably haven't been where Charlotte FC fans expect there could be, you cannot question the work rate. You cannot question the amount of ability that he has. I think the two games before he got benched were some of his best games we'd seen him play. It just never really worked for him on the scoreline. So the fact that he gets the assist on the Bender goal and he gets a goal of his own right, I think is just absolutely so well-deserved. And I think you go back and see this and say, okay, he has now earned his spot in this lineup, and I feel like you have your forward line at least for now between those three up front, between Capetti, Vargas, and Yuzviak. I would tend to agree with you, and I'm going to say something that's probably not going to go down too well, but I'm going to say it anyway, because why not? It, there feels like there's an over-reliance on statistics, right, in terms of goals, assists, and all of this stuff. Yes, very, very important. But work rate and tenacity and being hard to beat and getting back behind the ball and offering that physicality is something that doesn't usually get mentioned in the stat lines, right? And I mm. think that this is where particularly MLS pundits aren't helping Josviak's uh, claim to playing because of how harsh they've been on him as well. But if you watch Camille Josviak within a game, his work rate is incredible. And I, not to toot my own horn, was calling for him in this game because I said he was the physicality, the pit bull that we needed when we don't have the likes of Brant Bronico or Ashley Westwood in the team. And I think Camille was the heart and soul of that team when we were struggling from behind, putting in challenges, creating fouls, slowing down the opposition attack and just being hard to beat and frustrating to get past. And then when we were able to have the success in the second half, he led the way. We also can't underestimate what he was doing trickery-wise. He was creating nightmares for that Toronto back line. He's the reason why their centre-back got a yellow card and almost a red card for persistent infringement because he couldn't handle Camille Josviak. I get it 100%. You want your DPs, particularly when they're forward players, to be creating the stat lines. But I don't think we can say that he has been ineffective during his time, particularly in 2023, because of everything else he has offered. And now he's got that goal and that chip on his shoulder a little bit more, I think we see the evolution of Camille Josviak. And as you say, Will, there's a good chance he won't be a DP anymore if we use the money to buy him down and do all these loops that you've got to do at MLS to make your roster compliant. And I just think that I'm really glad that people notice Camille in a positive light and that he got that Man of the Match award because now social media has changed its tune, as it seems to do, uh, conveniently. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people saying, 
Camille has been brilliant and we've been calling for him this whole season as a player that has had an impact for the squad. Yeah, there's, a, there's a term in sports known as the eye test. He passes the eye test in terms of a player. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll go to war with Camille Jozviak 34 Sundays, Saturdays a year. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. He passes the eye test. I, I always think the numbers were always going to come with him. Yeah. And I think, like I say, he's a player that, teams don't want to face just because of the fact he's able to break things Pesky. down and yeah he's just a pit bull and again we've been missing that little bit of nastiness on our team with Ashley Westwood not being there with Brant Bronico then stepping out with his suspension and he gave the right amount of nastiness and of course the right amount of finesse with the goal and the assist and something I said in the broadcast is that you know he he didn't commit egregious fouls but he did enough to to disrupt play that i felt like really affected toronto down their their left flank or right flank um and a word on ben bender too because he was put into a very difficult spot uh subbing in for brant bronica who was out with the suspension we'll see how uh, ben's performance affects the way they uh, shuffle the midfield and we'll also get a report later on this week from chris Montanzi of just what exactly is going on with Ashley Westwood uh, still out with the groin or with the uh, the quad injury, I should say, beg your pardon. But I do feel like Bender almost kind of shot his own shot, if you will. When he talked to us last week on Crown Corner, he said, "You know, hey, I, I feel like I can bring quality in the final third, and that you know I have the nerve to come in there and take a shot when needed." And uh, it's exactly what happened. He made the run. He got himself positioned. It was a one-touch shot, and he put it in, and it, it galvanized Charlotte FC and, and gave them belief in a moment where you know you were wondering whether or not Charlotte FC were going to come back with anything out of this contest against Toronto, and they end up coming back with a point. And it's the evolution of Ben Bender in terms of 2022 versus 2023. You talked about how he had got in the weight room and you noticed that in this game he looked stronger on the ball he looked willing to go into challenges he was still the Ben Bender that we knew and love in terms of making his runs in terms of being able to use both feet in terms of not being afraid to strike the ball but he had added that maturity and experience in year two and I'm going to repeat what we talked about on the post game show for anyone that wasn't listening because I think it's very very vital that Crown Legacy gets the shout out right now of being the blueprint of what an MLS Next Pro team is about. Ben Bender played 65 minutes in the season opener and pulled some strings and grew in confidence and looked like a starting midfielder. And then he comes in and starts in MLS and brings everything that he was able to develop in those 65 minutes into the MLS team. Chris Hagar as well looked night and day from the Chris Hagar that maybe we had seen in brief spells in 2022 when he featured with mm -hmm. his strength on the ball, with his confidence, with his little bit of nastiness as well. And this is what Darius Barnes spoke to us about on the Crown Corner a uh, couple of weeks ago, right? That exactly. the point of Crown Legacy is to develop and nurture both first-team players that aren't getting minutes along with the academy, along with their own players. And if we can continue to do this, we'll be seeing more Crown Legacy players feature and they will be ready to go in MLS because you're breaching that gap between, you know, the professional levels in order to help our MLS team thrive. And it's doing exactly that. 
And congrats to Crown Legacy as well for their win on Friday over FC Cincinnati's twos. Uh, Brandon Cambridge with a brace in that contest. It was great to see him, and uh, we've seen him now in two contests do very, very well for Crown Legacy. Uh, Andrew Privet, who uh, is one of their defensive midfielders, also came up uh, to be in the 20-man roster for Charlotte FC in Toronto because of the down numbers in the midfield as well. Uh, Let's talk about goal because... We talked about the positioning on the two set pieces from George Barks. He made a couple of very fantastic saves, but now we've got a, a three-match sample size from both Cisniega and Marks. Marks has gotten points in each of the matches that he started. Uh, Cisniega played pretty good goal, but didn't necessarily get the results. Do you feel like it's still Mark's job until we get Christian Kalina back in team and figure out exactly where they go from there? Oof, putting me on the spot with the goalkeeper union. Um, I think that each goalkeeper has their own strengths and you can throw Kalina into that pile as well. Every goalkeeper has assets and every goalkeeper has weaknesses in our squad. I think the biggest thing that's separating George and Pablo in Latanzio's eyes is George's confidence with the ball at his feet. Even in the shocking wind circumstances, you only saw one or two maybe miss hits from George. Other than that, he looked extremely composed. And the quality of the saves that George has been able to bring to the table, that double save uh, that we posted on our Twitter earlier on this week was fantastic. And his ability to be able to read the game is very good. And he's made a couple of those very mature saves. So I think Olympico aside and, you know, the wind aside, it would be kind of unheard of to switch goalkeepers back and forth that many times because you're trying to build that consistency. And you talk about finding our front three. It also feels like right now we have our back four. And you want to make that a back five with the same goalkeeper wherever you can. So I think George Mark stays. And I think that Kalina has to work his way back in. Uh, it's important to note that Kalina was a back injury. Now, anyone that's been a goalkeeper or been around goalkeepers knows how much pressure you put on your back in terms of movement, in terms of footwork, in terms of collapsing up, down, up, down. Imagine doing 50 burpees with a sore back. It's just not a good idea. So I think Kalina is going to need to be patient in his recovery and I think that this has been a positive thing in some ways to strengthen the goalkeeper union and strengthen that competitiveness because every goalkeeper in this squad knows that they're within a chance of starting and knows that they're going to have to play well unless they want to sit on the bench. I I can't do one burpee with my back the way it is, uh, and it's not sore or anything. It's just I'm just an out of shape you know, regular dude. So that's just my Hey, but you're, you're skinny. You're skinny though, Willie. As that's true. Uh, although, again, that 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 is a that, that is a moving target, as as we always talk about. Uh, in terms of Svidersky, uh, we saw him play about 20, 25 minutes, thirty minutes uh, at the end of the contest. Uh, we saw him kind of employed in that that central midfielder scenario, which, again, I think suits him better than the wing. Does that give you maybe a window into the way Christian Latanzio wants to employ him this week if he ends up being ninety minutes fit, or? Was that just situational for what the game wanted at that point? I hope it's the first one <laughs> in terms of being attacking midfielder because I think that unless you're going to play the two-striker system, that attacking midfielder suits Federsky more. I will say that I don't think he was able to have as much of an impact as maybe he would have liked, but you've got to remember he only trained one day with the squad as well. Um, had a couple of good passes, had a couple of good breakdowns, but wasn't involved as maybe much as we got used to seeing Karas Federsky in that number 10 role. So we'll see what happens. But the good thing is that you've got squad depth, you've got competition, and it was kind of nice to be able to bring on the likes of when you looked at our bench and when mm-hmm. we made the subs with 
Shinya Shiki, with Karol Svodersky, with Vinny Mello. It felt very ambitious and it felt very nice to be able to bring on quality off of your bench that would likely be able to have an impact. And I don't think Toronto were thrilled to look over to the bench and see players like that waiting to come in with fresh legs. Not going to lie, it was uh, incredibly scintillating to see those three guys come out of the bench and uh, have that as part of our arsenal. We'll see whether or not uh, that affects. And again, we talked about it in the pregame with the team mixing. You know, Chris Latanzio loves to to shake up the boggle board and, and figure out what exactly he feels like the best combination is. It's all situationally dependent, which I think is incredible. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later on this week about what Real Salt Lake brings to the table and whether or not Charlotte FC can continue this road stretch in a positive manner. Again, points in consecutive road contests, points in three straight overall in all comps, and a pair of draws to talk about off of New York and Real and uh, excuse me and uh, Toronto FC. Uh, anything else for the good of the cause, Jess? I think we've nailed it, but I'm excited to talk Real Salt Lake because that should be knock on some wood right here and don't hold me accountable. That's got to be three points, surely will. I would love to talk about a big three point effort out in Utah. A week from now, but we'll get you ready for that one later on this week. Uh, I'll be on on WFNZ. We'll try to get some players on as well this week uh, in the 10 to 12 slots. So we'll have a chance to bring those to you in Crown Corner as well. If you missed anything, including our conversations with Ben Bender, Darius Barnes, or just uh, previewing and recapping all these games, subscribe to Crown Corner, rate it, and also uh, be sure to share it to your friends who are Charlotte FC fans and make sure you tell them you can get it wherever you get your podcast. For Jess, I'm Willie. We'll talk to you later on this week on Crown Corner.